My name is Amy Abraham, and I am the host of the Bliss Podcast. Each episode will feature ways to find wellness and happiness in your life. We will explore different trends and approaches that support a positive well-being of the whole person, mind, body, and soul. With each interesting topic, I will be interviewing experts within that field as well as adding my own personal experiences. If you're looking for more happiness in your life, Bliss is the podcast for you. Hello, listeners. Today, I share with you a conversation I had with feng shui consultant Joan Law. We discuss how paying attention to how you feel in your home will help you to declutter and remove items that no longer serve a positive purpose. Listen in to learn more tips that Joan shares. Enjoy! Hello, Joan. Welcome to the Bliss Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation. (laughs) First, tell us about yourself. How did you become a feng shui consultant? So that's a really long story, um, (laughs) but I'll try to shorten it for your uh, podcast. I um, was the mom of three children. I had one with special needs, so they were um, two, four, and seven at the time. And our life was very chaotic. So I was handed a book um, about feng shui by a friend who thought that I could read it faster than she would, and she was really anxious to know what it was all about. And at that time, I was reading lots of resources and books trying to get a handle on our family life. Mm. Um, Three boys, pregnant with our fourth, didn't know at the time that it was going to be a girl, but um, and completely overwhelmed. I had previously been a systems analyst and managed a, a staff of computer programmers before I had children, so I knew... I knew I could be successful, and Mm. I knew I could um, manage things, but I wasn't managing our home, um, and our life felt really chaotic. Mm. And when I started reading about feng shui, it just became um, such an eye-opener about there's another way to do this. Um, Being a systems analyst, I look at things very analytically, Mm. and it turns out that feng shui is really just a system for your home, so it spoke to me. It, It made sense to me. We're just trying to manage a home. Um, without a tool, wasn't working. So yeah. feng shui became my my tool to manage our home life and our um, you know our schedules and just the way we were living. And it really changed the way my husband and I were living, how our children were uh, experiencing our house, and mm-hmm. then in turn it changed the way we were all behaving. Um, and that's just really fascinated me. So I started reading everything and anything I could on feng shui. Great. Um, How long have you been consulting? I have been practicing personally for about 22 years. My daughter just turned 22 in September, so that's how I know how long I've been doing this. Um, One day we'll write a book called Growing Up Feng Shui because she really benefited. Um, You know, my boys had already experienced our chaotic household for a few years, and she really came into an environment that was much calmer. Um, And that's a a story in in of itself. And... um, but practicing and, and doing it as a consultant for about 15 years. Where was feng shui originated? And how so, does it work? <laughs> so feng shui is a very old uh, art form. It um, has many different schools of feng shui. It originated in China. Um, there is Bagua method, compass method, 
um, in form school, which are the three major. I happen to practice Bagua because it's the most uh, accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really just using a tool called the Bagua to map your space. And it breaks your um, home into your nine life areas. And you can kind of focus on one area at a time where I think most people look at life you know, very overwhelming. You think mm -hmm. of family, home, finances, career. Um, feng Shui allows you to break down those areas and um, create goals and then create an environment that supports those goals. Oh, great. That so. sounds interesting. So when working with a client, what are some of the first questions you may ask them? Basically, we start with those goals. I'll ask yeah. somebody, you know, what? why am I here? Why did you invite me? Why did you think Feng Shui might help you? Um, one of my message is always if, if it's not broken don't fix it so somebody will say is this good feng shui or um you know is you know is this bad and I'm like it's if things are working in your life and you're feeling good and you're healthy and you like your job and the kids are uh you know doing well and you have a good relationship with your spouse or your, or, uh, your significant other mm -hmm. um then I wouldn't probably not I wouldn't change anything um necessarily it's when people want to make a shift in an area or they think things aren't working quite as well as they'd like then we start talking about what is that um what is it you want to work on and then we look at the areas of the home that might be getting in the way or not working as well as it could be or mm -hmm. not supporting somebody in those goals so that's where we start um so it's not um it isn't coming in and um decorating in Asian artwork <laughs> or it's really having an environment that supports you mm -hmm. that's new for me I always thought that it was like an exact system that you had to do it, it's really about how you are feeling in your environment so I may come in and not necessarily um, be in love with someone's decorating sense but it's not me, it's how is it supporting them. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, organizing in less clutter is a big part of feng shui, uh, or at least the way I practice feng shui, because it's often the first thing that's getting in the way of, of people feeling comfortable in their own space. There's yeah. too much stuff. Um, but it's really, is it the stuff that supports you? Is it what makes you some, everybody's level of comfort in their stuff is different. And it's really trying to figure out, are you comfortable? Is that feeling good? Or is it, is it overwhelming you and you're not really f making the connection? So sometimes it's really listening um, right. I, and hearing what people are, um, how they describe what they feel like when they come home or how, how the children are behaving. And sometimes it's even how pets are behaving in an environment. Wow. And there could be things that are affecting affecting them. So, On your website, you have three R's listed. Review, reduce, rearrange. Is that what you're talking about? That's, that's it. Because yeah. a, a consultation starts off with a conversation, and then it's, uh, the next step is really reviewing the space um, hearing somebody's story because there's stories about everything in their space. Um, mm. I might ask a question or two if something seems out of place or is given an area of prominence or significance in the home, so it, it probably is meaningful. Yeah. I'll ask about the story behind it. Those stories are really revealing. Sometimes it's, oh, that, you know, that china cabinet, I hate that china cabinet, but it's great on ethels and I, I would feel terrible if I got rid of it yeah. it's somewhat almost like the elephant in the room so we yeah. talk about how that piece might be 
you know, affecting them, um, especially if they say something like, oh, and I never got along with her. She was always really mean to me, but I feel like I need to keep it. Right. So we just talk about what the energy of that is in the space. Um, so that's the reviewing. The reducing is most people have more stuff in their space than they need. Um, and oftentimes going in, somebody will say, my house is too small. I'm overwhelmed. And really it's, and I need a bigger house. Mm. And it's really, you don't need a bigger house. You need less stuff. Um, sometimes they're dedicating a lot of space to stuff they never use. Um, once we get rid of the never used stuff, all of a sudden the stuff they love has a lot of space to breathe. Right. Comes so to that's, surface. that's the reducing. And then the rearranging is, it could be as simple as rearranging artwork it could be furniture, and sometimes it's rooms. Sometimes it's, you know, a child in the house isn't sleeping well, mm. and it turns out they're in a more exposed space in the house, and it may be just flip-flopping with either an older child or the parents even, um, which is something my husband and I did, which is a, a, a story for another day, <laughs> to give um, a different room to a different child. Um, but, um, you know, so that's the rearranging. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I rearrange, um, I'm a teacher, and in the classroom I'm always watching how the students move around in the room, and we, if I want to prevent children from running, <laughs> I'll move the desks a certain way to not create that straight line where right. they can just book down the classroom. <laughs> um, so I, with what you're saying about rearrange, I can connect that with how I would set up my classroom. Right. And when I'm home, I try to do the same thing. Like, I think about the flow when I first walk into the house and is everything right where I need it when I first walk in? Where do I put my purse? Where do I take my shoes off? And so, yeah, rearrange. We've, um, we just bought our house about a year ago and we've been still rearranging things here and there just to see what works for us. And, and the interesting thing about feng shui is it's not a one and done activity. Mm. Um, so what you... Once you understand it, you can also um, utilize it when you're, you know, the house may be perfect the way it is for two years, and then suddenly, you know, you want to shift either how things are happening or you want to bring in something new. Um, so it's it allows you to go back with um, your feng shui eyes mm. and say, you know, it's not that the way it was for two years was bad, but I'm at a different place and I want to shift the energy around. Yeah. And so you start... Um, Maybe your goals have changed or you have a baby, stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, have you worked with hoarders before? Oh, my favorite topic. I have. <laughs> um, and it's it's definitely challenging. And I think the hoarding is really a medical condition. Mm. Um, and people will call themselves hoarders. Like, I'll get a phone call and somebody's like, oh, I know. Or my husband. It's usually a spouse. <laughs> Somebody else is a hoarder, not me. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes people self describe themselves as hoarders and they're really not they have a lot of stuff but hoarders where true hoarders um really struggle and just can't get rid of you know even the littlest thing um more people than you might imagine have really deep attachments to just about everything in their homes mm. and so i find it's just giving them the opportunity to tell me the story about an item sometimes within the same session at the beginning, they'll pick up something and say, oh, I can't get rid of that. That is, you know, someone-so gave it to me, and it just right. means so much, and I remember, and they tell me the story. We move throughout the home. Somehow we circle back, and by the time we get back, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't need that. That can go. So oh. it's... Did they attach to something else, though, while they were walking around? No, I think it... I call it like they're building that muscle. Like, the more you kind of really look at the things in your environment and think about it, you 
you become stronger in that ability to release some attachments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's learning, you know, another saying is if everything in your home is important, nothing is. Mm. Right? Because, you know... Nothing takes pre- um, precedence over right. it. Um, and I learned, um, you know, I especially working with children who inherit it, inherit homes from their parents or grandparents or just have to deal with an estate emptying after the death of and and when somebody had so much stuff children are often left with they keep everything because they don't know what was important to their parents it's like well this might have meant this might have meant a lot to mom so i better keep it yeah. even when in reality mom might have been like oh that was from a tag sale and there's no meaning behind it so because we don't have a lot of conversations about our stuff and then we have a lot of stuff. So mm. we, sometimes there's generational keeping of everything wow. because you're just not sure. And you don't want to, they're afraid to give right. something away that might have been important to someone, especially after death. You know, it, it just heightens sort of the attachment to things. Mm. So, um, and part of that came from experience of doing, um, emptying my mother-in-law's home. Um, she had a lot of things that we discovered in her attic that, were, had been from her mother's home there was no one to say what this where did that come from what was the right. story behind that and you have to decide whether to keep it or not um how do you decide what is your advice for keeping something um is it because it has a, a memory for you is it good to keep things that have strong memories or is it something that or does it go back to the goal situation like will this help me with my goals oh it i mean everybody's a little bit different yeah. um <laughs> I don't have that great of a memory, and I think it's a gift because mm. I don't recall necessarily where everything in my house, you know, might have come from. I find the people people who have very good memories, and they could be, you know, they could remember who their second grade teacher, as a, you know, an <laughs> example, right, or their classmates, or you know, what their homeroom number was in high school. I don't remember my homeroom number. Yeah. Um, people who have very good memories like that often can remember every detail about where something came from and the importance of who might have given it or where they were when they bought something and all those attachments and so it's it's harder for people who have that memory yeah um and if they do it's really again going back to the stories oftentimes it's if i once a story is told it it's it's like i need to tell somebody where this came from and why it was important and then once that happens it's often um not so important anymore Um, and there's three or four categories that most are very common books Mm. Um, I used to keep every book I read that's that's a small collection (laughs) I'm Um, working on it (laughs) uh, you know I had a dream of owning a bookstore at one point that's how much I love books and how much I love to read and I love used bookstores and libraries and all of that but really through this process one of the things that you you know I came to learn is that you know, first of all, books are out there. If if there's a book I've given away, I can get it back. I mm. mean, if I, you know, realize, and often they come back to me in a funny way. It's like somebody will be like, they'll give it to me, right? Yeah. So it's the exchange happens. Um, libraries, obviously, I try to use them more. Um, and just the energy of books. I mean, if you think about it, they're really heavy. They Sometimes we keep books. Um, somebody might re- go find a book that, uh, addresses a problem in their life that they're trying to fix or work on 
Yeah. And maybe they overcome that or they find the solution, but they hang on to the book, like, just in case. <laughs> and, it, you know, and part of the letting the go of the book is sort of, okay, I've, I've mastered that. I've learned and I the lesson. let it go. And almost every time you see that book when you pass it, um, even though you're not stopping and staring at the title, things catch our eyes. Like, we are being sort of impacted by whatever's in our environment, whether we're consciously stopping and looking at it. So you may just get a glimpse of that, whatever, you know, issue was. Yeah. And it triggers sort of the memory of it or that. So it's better to, that's when I say it's better to let it go. I totally get that. I actually just did a uh, book recommendation uh, podcast episode on personal growth books. And one book that really helped me was Jules' memoir or autobiography, Never Broken. And I have it over there on the bookshelf. And you're right, because every time I walk past that book, I think about how I felt before I read the book. Right. Wow. Thank you for that advice. <laughs> I'm not going to have any books in the house anymore. <laughs> um, so what other services do you offer? So the, the clutter clearing is, you know, part of feng shui, but for some people it's just clutter clearing. That's really what they want to focus on. I think sometimes, you know, I know feng feng shui is happening when they're doing that but they really are Mm. um just want to clutter clear traditional feng shui staging for people who are looking to sell their home um Mm. helping um i like to call it i don't even like the word staging because when i work with people i want to create an environment that still allows them to love their home sometimes homes get set up almost fake um and then they try to maintain that for showings and i've seen people give up listings and saying oh we're going to take it off the market because it's just too hard to keep it you know neat and and all those things and if you can get it working for you the people who come see it are going to feel that so that's um, a different theory you know look at it yeah rather than trying to be you know this perfect presentation that's just it's hard to maintain um I love, you know, I love opportunities when people, we've staged their home and then they say, I don't want to sell it. Like, oh my gosh, I love my house now. (laughs) Um, Sometimes they're under contract already, so they (laughs) they can't. But um, yeah, staging is um, house hunting for people if they're, you know, is the house, you know, have good feng shui. Um, And there is things to look for. And then, um, yeah, and then my husband's an architect and we do some work together with people who are looking to do an addition um and if if uh questions about that then we kind of work together on what might be a good recommendation that might be interesting to, um to talk about i actually have a question here about um is there a feng shui way to build a home right. everyone wants the open floor plan is that something that you would recommend that is feng shui you know i think they they can be challenging to work with but there's nothing inherently bad about them mm-hmm. um, necessarily there's some um, styles of design that I'd stay away from just you know I've seen patterns in homes um, certain styles seem to um, uh, support certain types of behavior so hmm. um, can you give us an example I, I don't want to Oh, okay. get people nervous about their home <laughs> style. Oh, I know. Well, when you first walked in, I was like <gasps> holding my breath. <laughs> no, but um, you know, I I could see. You know, I'm kind of relating this to my job. You know, if there's a if the classroom is really busy or there's a lot of posters and unnecessary things right. hanging up, sometimes that distracts children. Is that something similar? 
like with patterns or patterns more with floor plans I would say okay um, I would say contemporaries tend to be challenging there's a lot of high ceilings unusual angles you know the more unusual with a lot of angles and maybe odd shaped rooms um can sometimes just support a more chaotic feel because mm. you, people tend to do better in some sort of structure and so when things are you know off at a lot of different angles I've just there's just been patterns of that being less supportive mm -hmm. um, high ceilings as great as they look sometimes people don't feel that grounded it's almost like too much space yeah um, and um, and then the history of the home I, you know I often at well I always ask on a consultation do you know anything about the pre you know are you the first owners but do you know anything about the pre previous owners and any history about the home is right. helpful um, and again there's patterns sometimes that you'll find that the same thing might have occurred for the previous four owners you know they all got divorced I've you know and, oh, and just <laughs> yeah. knowing it yeah the, the good thing is knowing it is you can work on it if you don't know it you can't shift anything True. right so the four previous may have lived in a particular way within that house but once you're aware of that you can make some changes and, and maybe counter whatever might have been negative about it so right now when you say energy is it um is it more of like what the furniture is holding or what you think the furniture has like what kind of energy i know it's kind so, of a silly question no but. it's so energy means so many different things right part of it's just the history and and patterns that might have occurred in a space right and, and people you've probably gone into a place where you just you can feel the energy right you're not sure why but you're like you yeah. either feel really comfy and like oh I want to sit down and stay a while or you know I don't know there's just something here that's not doesn't feel right and, yeah. so, and sometimes it's nothing more than it just doesn't feel right um you know furnitures and things especially especially antiques and ones that have a family history can carry with them some energy yeah. and um I've have been able to pick up on that sometimes and say to somebody like oh tell me about that piece because it's either it's feeling out of place or it just it draws me to it to want to ask more about it um that's interesting that's, but that's cool yeah so but the, that and then energy is the flow of um you know people and energy through the, just like you said about the children and putting up something so they didn't run um right they, you know we create those kind of energy flows in our homes um sometimes somebody will have a piece of furniture placed in a way that they have to make a funny move every time to go around it right and you don't think about it but you could actually be annoyed so every time i was in a particular home where they had to get up out of bed and and the wife really had to do this kind of funny move or she'd hit her hip on the dresser because it oh, was kind of tight too close yeah and I said, boy, before she even gets out of bed in the morning and out of her bedroom, you could be irritated, but you don't know that, unless you're stopping to think about it, you don't even realize that that kind of triggers a feeling of being Absolutely. irritated. Yeah. Um, and then where that's similar with clutter is that same person could go down to the kitchen and go to get a coffee mug out and the cabinet's so full that things are falling out of the cabinet, right? So you haven't even had coffee or your morning tea <laughs> or whatever and you're already a little annoyed feeling negative yeah negative. you go to your closet and you open it up and 
you know, you've got the clothes that make you feel great or the ones that you wish you could fit into, but maybe that was a few pounds ago or if only, or I spent too money, much money on those and they're, they're kind of talking to you. Yeah. Giving you some energy, right? This, like yeah. You, and then, um, you know, you go out to your car and you have to go buy a pile of things you wish you had repaired or um, taken to the dump or returned or whatever the case may be. But so by the time you sit in your car to leave in the morning you could potentially already be in a really bad mood and then you're off like facing everybody else in the world right Right. so and I always thought um with children you know how many kids kind of come into school having experienced that in their own homes Mm -hmm. and so by the time they show up you know in the classroom they're already sort of up here because their morning was you know can't find the backpack or the lunch you know the notes aren't there or the shoes can't be found um, and that's what our house was like. Mm. And, you know, that's why I always tell people um, not to be embarrassed and um, that, you know, I, I can work with them because I've been there. Right. Um, so can you share some success stories? Oh boy, there's there's so many, and they're all fun. I mean, a lot of them are um, just fun, too. It's, it's really getting um, people to have their aha moments. Um, mm. and, and this... You know, they're not all success, but they're awareness of raising. And, you know, so success being um, one of my favorite um, health story was someone who was just feeling overwhelmed. She had been diagnosed with a gluten um, sensitivity, um, fairly severe, a lot of money being spent on supplements and things like that. And and the house, the kitchen was fairly small. It was a condo um, and just felt stressed by all that. And so we were... I, I was there doing the consultation, but what jumped out at me the most was the piece of art over their kitchen sink was the Wonder Bread Girl. Oh, my gosh. It was like a 1950s <laughs> poster um, because their style, their oh. desi- their decor, their style was like 1950s diner, kitsch kind of, yeah. you know, cute. Right. The silver stools, stuff like that. But the Wonder Bread Girl, yeah. um, and that could... And I think I just went like, wow. Like, well, what about yeah. this? Yeah. And, and um, so, again, like one of those, the first thing that they would see in the morning was the thing that made her sick, right? Mm. That she couldn't have that was causing these health issues. And it was staring, literally staring them in the face. What did and they say when you mentioned I think that? we laughed. I think yeah. they were like, you know, a slap Duh. on the forehead. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. And <laughs> how could I not have seen that? And so that one always sticks out in my mind. Um a, f- a funny story was just somebody I uh, apologized for her bedroom being a little disarray because she was painting it, um, and so we couldn't really get a good assessment of what was going on. But I poked my head in, and um, she was just coming off a bad relationship, mm. so she wanted to change the bedroom around and and paint the walls, and so she was in the middle of painting. And I looked in, and I said, "Oh, one, you know, just one nightstand," and she goes, "No, I knew him for a few months." <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so, because there's a feng shui, you know, you should have for relationships two nightstands, two lamp, you know, for balance in the bedroom. And if you want to be in a relationship, you know, to be sure that um, that's just a kind of a basic. So if, you, if you want to be in a relationship, you set it up. Set it up with the, you know, to welcome someone. To welcome someone yeah. to have their own space. But also if you're in a relationship so that there's equal balance, that you both have somewhere, you know, to put the water right. on and a lamp to read by. And yeah. um, sometimes um, disparities in relationships. The, I've been in ones where the husband, he, his alarm clock's down on the floor. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't even have a side table, <laughs> you know. And so, um, 
But, you know, she just said, no, I, I, I knew him for a couple months, and we just laughed because, you know, she goes, oh, my gosh, I thought you were asking if it was a one-night stand. Oh, gosh. Oh, the poor woman. <laughs> but we laugh about that now. I call mm-hmm. her my one-night stand lady. Um, oh, that's funny. So, uh, as I shared with you, when you arrived, Nick and I are almost, we're, I want to say we're new homeowners, but it's almost been a year now. But um, could you give us some advice or some tips to our listeners that, you know, if they wanted to try to do something at their home, they're noticing that they do have the clutter. Do you have any, some quick tips or where they should start? So I always say start with low-hanging fruit. Um, I had a call this week for a woman who would like me to come down. She has a lot of clothing and very attached to her clothing. There, She was telling me stories about fabric from China that she made a dress out of, um, a Halston suit from the 70s that she just wore, and everybody loved it. So she definitely loves clothes, and it's something she enjoys. So, But she feels she needs to start decluttering. She's um, going to downsize in a couple years, she thinks. And I said, well, we wouldn't start with your clothes. Clearly, your clothes you know, mean a lot. And in just the way she was talking about them, I knew, I said, so we start with low hanging fruit. And she goes, Oh, like you mean the kitchen. (laughs) She doesn't care about cooking. She lives on her own. She, um, is out and about a lot. Um, you know, minimalist in her eating and, and, uh, she doesn't use her kitchen. She doesn't use her kitchen much or her, all her equipment she's had acquired over the years. And I said, we'll probably start in the kitchen. Right. So start, start in an area that isn't you know you don't go for something that's hard to work on you know for many people it's photos family Mm -hmm. mementos yeah sentimental items you leave for last you know it's really um you know clothing from maybe a career you're not in anymore or sporting equipment from a sport you know you're never going to do again (laughs) i still have my cheerleading pom-poms from high school (laughs) i think i should get rid of those you know, it, it's hard to say. Hey, I might cheer someday. Yeah. Or maybe my daughter. Right. Well, yeah. the maybe the daughter. Right. The, <laughs> the um, for for people who have their adult children's item in the home, and they keep thinking, "Well, I'm saving it because," um, or they're even the idea that um, their kids are going to want it someday. Often they don't, and so yeah. parents will put a lot of effort into storing and organizing and caring for. And then the kids move out, and they're like, I didn't want that. Like, why'd you that. save it? And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, just thinking about that. And then for moms and dads of young, you know, school-age children, yeah, not saving every piece of work. And again, that message of if everything's important, nothing is. And so sometimes, um, you know, kids don't even know. when you. I've worked directly with children sometimes, um, and... They don't know how to decide whether they should keep something or not because when mom and dad say, oh, that's wonderful, you know, and you really give them praise, give them praise, and then they feel that it's very valuable. And so it's trying to have some balance with that and, and starting young, right? Like yeah. so having kids um, self-select what they're going to save and, and not overruling their decisions, Right. A lot of times kids are really willing to declutter and let things go, and parents will say, you don't want to get rid of that, or, you know, that's still good, or the clothing that, you know, maybe mom spent a lot of money on an outfit and the kid isn't going to wear it because they don't like it, but, but you convince them to keep it. It's still in their closet. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't really empower them um, to make those kind of decisions as they get older. Right. Um, and especially if a parent has a tendency to keep things 
um, they're going to learn that um, from them. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. So, yeah, that's great tips. Now, because what I do when when I when we're designing our home and we're putting things together, I'm always thinking, okay, what is the easiest thing for me right now? I want to cook. Where's the spatula? Is it right there? Yes. When I take it out, does 17 more spatulas fall right, out of right. the container? Sometimes. So we had to get rid of some of them. But the way I view um, my environment, I know you mentioned earlier that your environment um, affects your mood. And I 100,000% agree with that. And so throughout the day or throughout living in this home, Nick and I are constantly thinking, okay, where is the best place to put this so that it's easily accessible for us? Or do we really need, um, you know, I get gifts from kids, you know, I have like three or four drawings every day and I love my students and I love their drawings, but I can't keep them every day. Um, so I, I post them up sometimes in the classroom, the ones that, you know, are special for my birthday and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't save them. Um, I did, you know, when I first started teaching because it meant something to me. But now, nine years later, you know, I know those kids are still going to care about me and I'm going to care about them if I don't keep their, their drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we try to keep uh, in our house. Well, I, I mean, you can tell me if this is good advice or not or this is a good theory. But I'm always thinking if something in the house is making me feel uncomfortable or stressed or it's not where I need it to be, I have to clean or organize or find a new way. And I actually wake up one hour early in the morning just to clean the house and organize and get everything where I want it to go or where it needs to be in order for me to feel comfortable. So that when I come home, I'm not bombarded with a sink full of dishes when I've had a, a tough day. Or I'm not bombarded with laundry on the floor or you know a basket of laundry on the floor. I try to do everything I can in the morning so when I come home from work, I can do what I want to do and relax and take care of myself and do hobbies and things like that. And um, I think that having that outlook on life has changed my attitude every day. You know, I just, I do feel like I'm excited to come home. You know, like this is my house and I've created a comfy place for my husband and I. And, you know, he doesn't like clutter either. So we are constantly like, okay, what can we throw out? I do have a lot of notebooks. (laughs) I have a lot of empty notebooks. I don't know what that means, but I constantly want a new notebook and, I don't know. I just, I'm writing, I'm journaling and I'm planning, but I just, I need another notebook. I have like two or three notebooks a month that, and they're just, they just sit here (laughs) on my bookshelf over there. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but, um, actually teachers are a tough group. Usually I put teachers and artists in my two toughest categories often for clutter, for getting rid of things because they, always find a use for things mm. right? I could use it in my classroom or it could be a project or and so um it's funny on not all but teachers are uh, I put them in a category a special category because they often yeah hang on to a lot of things if you're present and right, mm. noticing that stuff then you can change it it's when you don't pay attention I know environments I don't like a mall not a mall person never have been mm-hmm. I know that that environment overwhelms me it's just too much stuff too many things going on too stimulating yeah some people thrive in that you know they it revs them up and it makes them I it doesn't work that way for me um and I think you Paying attention to where how you feel in different places and and um, being able to recognize that it, that's part of it. What's um, 
and then you know spend more time in those places that you feel good in Um, I think it becomes a little challenging when personalities in a in a relationship or a family are different Um, yeah but um you know also Nick and I are very similar in that way I could imagine it might be more challenging if you're married to somebody who just kind of lets things go or doesn't put everything away well and the funny thing is I've never been I wouldn't call myself an organized person Mm -hmm. and this allowed me to become more organized so when people um say oh you must be so organized in truth I'm not and this helps me it's like somebody who's done yoga and people say oh you're so flexible you're so flexible but it's because you've done that right. to become flexible. Right. And this has helped me become organized, but not that I'm an organized person, if that makes sense. Yeah, you sense. weren't always organized. Right. You had to learn it, right. to learn behavior, which is great for the listeners to understand, too, that this is something that you can learn. And if you take the time and the dedication and be present and ask yourself that question, is my environment serving me towards my goals? This is a process that you can learn. Um, I have here in my notes that could you just talk about the lemon debate or like nine lemons or something? Is there is that connected to feng shui? It is a f- it's it's definitely um, uh, lemons are uh, considered auspicious and a positive sign, right? So it's it's health. You know, it has a health connotations. Nine is a number frequently used in feng shui, um, and so it it. I call that the cure, right? The visual cue and the cure. So, mm. but the problem with things like that are crystals or water fountains or a lot of the things that have been um, connected to feng shui. It's 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 I call it the icing on the cake, right? Okay. So you do the you do the decluttering, you do the room usage and maybe the room rearranging Mm -hmm. and then maybe you put the bowl on the counter with the nine lemons (laughs) but the idea that I guess somebody might oh let me just take a bowl of nine lemons put it in the middle of my table and then I'm feng shui'd and all things will be good now right so that's the reward at the end right that's (laughs) I I like to call it the visual cue and that's the reminder maybe uh, when you see that lemon um, there that you know you've worked to create that environment it's this, it works. Uh, what are those positive things that you could put in your space? Um, I like that. The other, um, I just want to, for listeners to know, and I I put this on my uh, Instagram the other day, but it's feng shui isn't something you do to have a perfect life. It's, it's something you do so that you can have um, some calm when life isn't perfect. Mm, right? Because I like that, yeah. Um, it's, not a, it's not magic and it's not... Um, you know, a cure to all things that ail us, but I think it's it create it creates an environment that allows us to be, you know, manage all those things that come at us. Right, um, more settled, more stable, something you can count on. Right. Yeah, that's great. I like that idea. In one or two sentences, how does a well-balanced home support a blissful life? So again, I think it's being... Um, creating a state of mind that just makes it easier to deal with you know whatever comes your way I know um, gratitude is a big part of it Mm -hmm. Um, as you become more present and I think less distracted by stuff and um, busyness it does free up time Um, it, it you know I use vision boards too I know you do some of that and I think it allows I I have people use feng shui in their vision board to um, kind of map out what they really want to focus on. 
um, and then use their home to kind of create the environment to support that. But um, I think it's really on just it becoming more mindful. Mm. Um, and understanding what how you feel in in, in the environment and and, rea- and making a decision after that how can you fix it? Yeah, I think when but the vision boards you when you see something on your vision board and it it makes you want to achieve that goal then great. But if you see something on your vision board and it reminds you something negative, then you know you're already starting your day right. in a negative mood or negative you know state of mind. In my first episode, I asked myself seven questions. Before we began, I shared Joan these seven questions, and she chose to answer, what is your proudest accomplishment? So I have to say that um, my family and my children are my proudest accomplishment. Um, Raising four kids is definitely a challenge. Um, We've made choices, and I think that... um, Seeing them now as young adults, they are in their 30s, uh, and our daughter is 22, um, and we have three boys. Um, Seeing them, you know, move on into their own lives and being successful, but still feeling, um, you know, that we we made choices that helped support them to get where they are, um, but also um, maintained our relationship, Mm. and um, they are kind, and they care about their community, and they give back, and I think that that there's really nothing, you know, that a parent can't be happier about, yeah. you know, to, to see them, you know, caring about others and, and being involved, and, and that's about it. Great. Thank you, Joan, for your time today. This has been a great experience for me and my listeners. If they would like to get in touch with you or in contact with you, you said something about Instagram, where can they find you? So I'm on Instagram at Feng Shui Joan. And my website is fengshuijonesway.com. In the Feng Shui Jones way, I think it's really what you get when you work with me or or we we talk is really my interpretation and my um, synthesizing all that I've learned over the years and then helping you apply that um, in your life and sharing what I've learned uh, with you. I think a lot of people could benefit from decluttering (laughs) especially in the type of world that we live in now if you have any questions or would like to connect with me visit my website at amyabraham.com you can email me at amyabrahambliss at gmail.com and be sure to follow me on instagram at amy two underscores abraham and while you are there use the hashtag amyabrahambliss when you are posting about things you learned from bliss thank you john thank you